Hey, everybody, you're listening to Raw with Marty Gallagher, J.P. Bryce, and Jim Steele, brought to you by ironcompany.com. All right, so, so today we've got a very special guest. Uh, he's jailhouse strong. He's gas station ready. Welcome to the show, Mr. Josh Bryant. I'm honored to be here. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> gas so, station ready. That's the best one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Because it's like, are you ready? Have you done your training to be ready for you're at the gas pump at 3 a.m., right, Josh? Something like that. And exactly. Some degenerate drunken yeah. hobo wants to step up. You better be ready to defend your life and what's yours. Yeah. We, we know there, there are two kinds of hobos. They're the singing kind and the stabbing kind. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> the stabbing hey, kind. Jim. Yeah. Jim, we did a we did a show on that one time. Yep. We called it Ready for Anything. We exchanged yep. some stories. Oh, please don't tell it again. Please. <laughs> oh, that story? Yes. No, the story where that I got oh, hit no, run. No, no. Come on, man. Give me a pitch. I chased the guy down. I chased the guy down. He's in the back. I convinced him to, to get in the back of my car because he goes, I'll, I'll, give money. I'll give you oh, money. Good. Here we go. I'm driving him to the police station. He figures it out. He's trying to crawl over me. I had to pin him against the ceiling and, and pull over and throw this guy out. So that's one of the situations that you may run into. I think that's what Josh is talking about when he says oh, we're all, that. We're all thinking, why did you put him in the back seat of your car? Gas station. <laughs> because you know what? I knew the cops weren't going to do a damn thing. <laughs> right behind you, they could, they could just cut your throat. Come on, boys. This is Josh's yeah, show. Right. What are we doing? Right. This is crazy. All right. So, um, so Josh, thanks again for coming on today. So, one of the things that you're you're known for a lot of different things, but I mean, you're one of the primary things that we wanted to talk about today was you were at one time the youngest person in powerlifting to bench over six hundred pounds in a meet. Yes, sir. So, how old were you when you did that? I was 22. 22. What'd you weigh? I weighed in at that meet. I was, I think, 306. And I did, um, I did 603 quarters very easily. And that was, like, my goal. And I went to 611. And it literally didn't move because I was, I think, subconsciously, I'd, I'd came what I came to do. Yeah. yeah. Um, give us a little background. I mean, that's very young. You must have had a pretty hardcore early background. I did. And um, so kind of a couple things kind of happened. I think first off, I, I'm sort of like now hitting my athleticism at my best. And I think I kind of hit my upper body strength, you know, early where usually for people it sort of happens the other way. A lot of that's because the way I trained too. But I started off, you know, playing more traditional sports. Where was and, it? Where'd you, where'd you grow up, Josh? I grew, I live in uh, Texas now, but I grew up in Santa Barbara, California. Okay. So I actually ran into a lot of good influential people along the way. Um, like I, the gym where I got a job, I was managing a hardcore gym at 16 years old and Ed Cohn had come. I didn't actually, I hadn't met him, but he had actually come in there to train before like Salaria, um, from ISSA had come in there. Fred yep. So all these people I knew, you know, so. Well, how, how did you get a job at age 16 in a hardcore gym? Well, because, um, we um, we had a football coach that would go over there and work out, and he really liked me. And his um, his girlfriend was like the manager, I guess, there at, from like you know the, the shift earlier. So I'd go in after you know in the evening or on weekends and do it. She got me the job because she said I was 
very because I'd been working out extra with him and doing drills and stuff, and she thought I was responsible and disciplined for some well, of that young. Marty, well, he was already 280 at the time, too. So <laughs> no, I'm no, no, but I'm, but, but I'm curious. By the yeah. time, uh, how much, how, how much, first off, how tall are you? I am almost six feet. Okay. Uh, so by the, uh, by the time you got out of high school, what did you weigh and what were you benching? Okay. So I was weighing, I'll go through the, the quick, uh, quick kind of events in high school. So I started off high school. I weighed at 168 and I weighed at 168 because I was boxing then. So I was training um, boxing at school. I got my, I didn't, in California, they don't have um, sports until you're in high school for the school. So I took, you have to take PE. I took my elective as a PE aid. So that just mean I did more PE. So I did PE twice a day. I played, I played basketball at lunch. Yes. I boxed at night for two hours and I'd work out with weights after I got done boxing. And on the weekends, um, my dad would ride his bike and I'd run with him. So that's what kept me at 168. So it wasn't mm-hmm. like, right. you know what I mean? Like, so by the time I got done with my freshman year, because I was focusing on football instead of on boxing, I was up to 205. So I gained about 40 pounds that year. Your but body was mm-hmm. just ready to grow. It was ready to grow. It's like I was set up for that phase. And then um, I, I remained about 215 to 220. And we did a lot of, um, you know, I did track and stuff too. So I would probably did like too much different types of what running. Were your, what were your track events? I was primarily a shot putter, okay. but um, I, I did um, the the four by one as well sometimes. And I wasn't, I was definitely the slowest person on it. But it was weird. I could like um, when I'd race, like you know, in a normal race, I think I didn't know to start correctly. My times wouldn't be that great. But when it was like a relay. And because I know these blocks, you can actually get a little bit of a running start. I, I do pretty well right. on that. So sometimes they'd put me in there. I did discus, but shop was my best event. But I didn't really train for that stuff a lot. What happened is I just, I trained to be explosive. I trained to be strong. Mm-hmm. And you can, you know, win yeah. 99% of high school practice if you're both of those things without yeah. any technique. Yeah, and I'm sure and, your, your technique was probably rugged, but, you know, it's probably still through. How, how far did you throw the shot? And that, that's a 12-pounder, 12, 12 right? Yep, 53-3 in high school. Yeah, there you go. Good. So At, two, at, two, at 220, or what was your weight? Yeah, so, no, that was more a little heavier. So I was 215, 220 or so, basically from sophomore to, to the – through my the beginning of my senior year. And I think I just kind of improved my body composition over that time. And then um, – there, I kind of, you know, it's like like a lot of people, I, I go from extreme, so I figured I'd done too much stuff that I shouldn't have done, like running-wise and stuff, so I'm just going to bulk up. So I graduated high school about 245, so I put on a ton of weight from the yeah. end of my um, football season there to – and I think I got too big at that point where I wasn't quite as fast because, um, you know, looking back on it, there's a lot of things I did dumb there, just like training-wise and stuff. I, I was really quick sort of head. Yeah, um, you're, you're seven. You're 17 years old. You're supposed to be dumb. True. And don't um, you think, Josh? You, you you learn more. You learn better like that. You know, trial and error. It just takes think, you longer. It takes you longer. But what'd you bench? What'd you bench in uh, high school? Oh, so I benched uh, my freshman year. I benched 308 um, in a meet, and I did it just a meet because I wasn't training for powerlifting. But I heard there was a meet, and I talked to my dad, and he said he'd take me. He'd drive me down to. Um, it was about four hours away and we could like make a little trip of it. So we did it. And then, um, I did, um, another meet, um, right after football season, my senior year, I got four thirteen. 
Okay. So you, so you hit, so hit four in high school. That's yeah, I had 450 in high school. It just wasn't in a meet. I'm, I'm um, sorry, 415 or 50? 50, but it was not in a meet because I was in four, the like, – 450. Oh, oh, that's your – My bench started going up like crazy. And then I went to um, – Now, that's raw. Raw. And then yeah. that was – 450 was raw touch and go. Nice. Uh, 450. And that's yeah. at 17, right? 17? 18. Four, 18. 413 – was raw in a meet right like like actually a meet like i didn't wear a shirt for that so then i did 413 there fast forwarding of the year hit 450 but i didn't really bounce so i probably could have done it pretty close to i just do better controlled style anyways mm-hmm. and so then i did 457 and a half right after that in a meet with like one of those old school like inzer shirts that didn't add a whole lot mm-hmm. oh yeah got that pretty easily and I missed like a four set four sixty eight right after that, and then fast forward to there, the following year, um, right when I turned nineteen, I hit you know five oh seven in one of those Enzer shirts. Did you have a coach during the high school years and, and afterwards? Oh. Did you have anybody mentors that were really helping you? I did. So um, I from lifting wise and stuff, I learned from a guy named Steve Hall. He had trained with like Salaria and those guys, okay. and he was really good. So I learned a ton from him. The, the only thing looking back that I would have changed on that is I think he was too much into gaining weight. So I pushed my weight up to like, he would talk about like, you know, like a lightweight powerlifter, like, like literally like just, if it wasn't a super heavyweight, he would just like right. listen to Ed Cohn or somebody like lifting the same weights right? Or, or Kirk or somebody, he would just mention them like in passing. He was talking about like, Anaba from Japan. He's like, yeah, the little Japanese guy, like just like he's nobody. <laughs> yeah. Talk about, you know, like, you know, Odie Wilson, like we're talking about a God or something. So yes, Jesus. Uh, yeah. So I think I, was, I think I gained weight too fast. Looking back on it, I know I did because I didn't need to be that heavy and I, I didn't feel as good, but. Um, no, I suppose not. <laughs> you look, you look like you were one happy meal away from exploding. Well, wow. yes. The, thing was good about, the good part about that, though, is I would not have done 600 the earliest had that not happened because not because of the weight necessarily, but I realized at that point, um, so I was playing college football, and I got switched from being a fullback to a guard. And um, I started off the season starting at fullback, and they, they used like a guy that was about 190 pounds, so they put me to guard. Mm-hmm. And I remember the last game of the season – I was I was so much faster than the other linemen at first, but I kept gaining weight during the season because I kept eating and eating and eating. So, but I remember running down the field when I was so used to like doing a pulling play where I'd be way ahead of everybody, and there were like people passing me, and I felt like my legs were going, but nothing was really happening. Like almost like I was rolling down the field. So I at that point, I either had to, um, you know, pick a direction, football training, or or go powerlifting. Yeah, right? one or the other. Where, where where did you play college football? But I was at Moore Park College. It's at one of the top junior colleges in California. Okay. Oh, well, California Junior College is fantastic. They all had right. – right, no like, Everybody, you know, like, you know, on the offense, people, like eight of the people went Division One. I. I mean, it's very yeah, high level. A lot of criminals and, yeah. you know, people – people bad grades, things like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but good. So, uh, so when you – Rob the liquor store and the coach bailed out. <laughs> what? <laughs> Wait, well, right. 
was at the game, and everybody was saying the coach bailed him out. I, I did not confirm that, so I shouldn't say that. But that was allegedly. Allegedly. We do a lot of allegedly. <laughs> no. yeah. All right, so when, when you got serious uh, in, into power, when, when did you first get the, the, the goal of, you know, I think I can bench 600 raw? Why don't you take us on that journey? How did that come about? Okay, so first it was like fine with shirted lifting and stuff. This is fine. Then um, I went to a couple meets and I saw people that were top level shirted lifters warming up. And I'm like, you know, people like idolize. And I'm like, and I'm not going to say names because I'm not here to trash somebody. But it's, I mean, it was really disappointing to like, you know, it was like F. Scott Fitzgerald said, you show me a hero, I'll show you a tragedy or something. It was a damn tragedy, man. Seeing these guys warm up, how weak they were. I'm like, this, I don't want any part of this. I, I like... You mean, like, give, you mean without their shirts, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're warm, going up to 700, 800 pounds. And, like, one of them did 515. He had somebody helping him. Yeah. With hands on the bar. It was a – I mean, it looked like a max effort jumped up. He's like, it's never felt so light. I'm like, no, at that point, I can't be a part of this. I, I don't yeah. care. And no, and what raw lifting wasn't a popular thing. No. But it didn't, it didn't matter. I, I knew I, – I've always been a pretty pragmatic person. And a I pure, knew, and a purist, a purist. I knew that the, I knew that it, this at that point in time, I wasn't going to get rich from benching. Where this is like my, I need to just deal with the system. It was like, no, this is something I love to do, and it's not about anything except I love to do it. So I'm going to do it the way, you know, right. I'm going to do, do it my way. All right. So when did you get the 600 goal, and how long did it take you to to achieve it? Well, here's what sort of happened. So I, I did, I did the. Um, 507 with an old shirt. And at that point, I still wasn't even thinking this terms. I'm like, okay, you know, I, I could not, I was adding 30 pounds or something. It ain't that big of a deal. You know, it's just, then I do um, some more meat. I was training for this um, Wobdo meet. If you guys heard of that, it's like Gus Rethwich's Federation. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm, I'm doing that and I was going to go for a 600 there. And I, and I got a, I got a better bench press shirt. So 555 went up like um, nothing put on 600 went up, you know, everything's honky dory. So the next time I'm like, man, that weight felt so light in my hand. Cause I got used to handling heavier weight. I'm all just doing warm up at 555 when I had done 545 raw already and 555 dude didn't move, man. It, it just got stuck on my chest. And, and then at that point I decided, you know, after seeing what I saw that happening, I'm like this, there's no turning back. I'm, I'm not going to, um, I'm not gonna wear a shirt, even if it's a meet that I need to go to, like that, like Mountaineer Cup for money meet. I'll just sacrifice a little bit of poundage on my total, and yeah, do that. Like, and these guys are getting forty and fifty percent out of their shirts. Every bit of it. I mean, you think like so, like the the first guy to bench press, you know, a thousand pounds, he, he wasn't doing, you know, seven hundred without it. No, and and again, you just do the math. I think current currently and and. You know, roughly the, the, the raw bench has been 700. I think a guy pushed it up to 740 or something. But, but no one, the next Yeah, but that, but before, before this fella came along, that thing had stuck it in around 700 forever, right? Yeah, exactly. And you, so what was the all time shirted record? What, 1100? I don't know. I don't follow it. That's the thing. No, like, I'm, I'm saying it's the, the all time shirted record, I believe, yeah. is 1102 by Tiny Meeker. Well, do the math, and that's assuming Tiny can do a 700 raw bench, and that's a big ass assumption. I, I, yeah, I mean, um, uh, yeah, right. What, I, what I've seen, I don't think so. Well, um, okay, so do the math. So they're getting a hundred percent. In other words, you can double. 
the amount of weight you bench if you put a shirt on. That's yeah, insane. It is insane. And the thing is, they'll, they'll argue back that, like, you have to train in one day to, to get the most out of it. And that's definitely true because I've tried it's, those ones and I didn't get as much well, out I, of it. But yeah. Same time, I don't train that way. I mean, it's, it's what, like, you know, it's just I, not. I, I, I don't want to get too, too far off on it, but if, if they invented, and I, I read an article about this, if they invented a shoe that you put on and allowed you to, oh, cut your 100 uh, meter dash time by, I don't know, even 33%. They'd ban that shoe so fast your head would spin. Yeah. Right? Yeah, but, absolutely. Would. But, but we have <laughs> equipment that inflates poundages by 50, 60%, and no one bats an eye. It's like if isn't, you invent, uh, it's crazy. Isn't one of the problems with the bench shirt, you, if, if you're like, you got to have a certain amount of weight on there, otherwise you can't even get the bar down to your chest. It's so tight. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> about cannibalism or something i just don't know that much about <laughs> well i think i think thankfully uh geared lifting is dying well i tell you what it's pretty freeing just to go to a meet with a belt yeah you know, dude. I, mean, I mean you go to a let's see you know, who's got what man. On. yeah let's see who's got what let's see who's yeah. got what just we go should lift man. we yeah. should lift naked yeah. Well, Marty, speak for yourself. I already do. Well, yeah, I think, I think that's what the, uh, you know, the thing <laughs> that, like with raw lifting and stuff, people always ask me, do I support wraps? Do I support this or that? For for a while, you know, I'm pretty open. I saw how it was before. So if the worst we got to deal with is, you know, knee wraps or something, I'm totally fine with that because I saw what was there before. I was heavily involved at its worst. And um, I'm, I'd be very open to compromise on, on a lot of things just because it, it, it was bad. Right. Well, I think that the CrossFits and the, the, the explosion of raw lifting has just kind of pushed that out to sea. I think uh, the raw, raw equipped division and the Nationals, they get like 50, 60 people where they're hit with 400. They got to cut the entries off at 400 in the raw divisions. Yeah. Yeah, I noticed that one time in a meeting, too, it was kind of – like 2010, it started to get like where there's a, a mixture of both. And I remember going to this meet in Austin in 2012 and there were, they um, limited to 70 people and there were two people in gear. I'm like, <laughs> I, I was like yes. Man, that was eight years ago. I'm like, I could not have imagined this two or three years earlier. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. So anyway, now, all right. So look, can we talk a little bit about it, your bench tactics that you used? Sure. To hit your bench, I mean, what, what, what would you, what was your best training split? What did you get the most, what was, what did you use to hit the big lift? Now, we understand that you're just packing the body weight on, packing the body weight on, packing the body weight on, right? Each week bigger, each week stronger. What, what, how many times a week were you benching? Um, twice a week. And I always come with a philosophy of um, that, uh, um, you know, a bigger engine is going to be more powerful and the, the best way to increase uh, strength potentials by increasing muscle mass. So I did a lot of bodybuilding stuff okay. in there. Well, and, uh, first, first walk us through your bench routine, then let's put, put us through your assistance stuff. Okay, so I, I would do in the off season a lot of sets and a lot of reps. I'd get up to like, you know, I'd get up to 405 for like 10 sets of 10. All right, on day one, let's say if you're benching twice a week, what were your days? Okay, so I'd go, um, mon just say Monday, Okay. What'd you do bench. on Monday? What would you do on Monday? Primary bench press day. So that would depend on where it's at in the training cycle. 
let's say you're let's say you're uh, five weeks out. Okay, I would do on there bench press heavy, you know, doubles, triples at most, singles. Okay. Okay. And then I would do, um, I did a lot of uh, multiple, multiple sets with static weight, just work up to one set. How would you work that? Okay. So a couple of things. So I do, I'd get up to a top set and that top set would be non-fatigue. So it'd be warming up. So it would take some, some, some heavy weight to get up there, but oh, yeah, not work sets. Um, and then from there, no, wait, would you do one all out top work set? One all out top work set, then I would do multiple down sets, right. like really concentrating on, Love they it. were no longer failure, but like a lot higher than like Louis Simmons or somebody would advocate for speed sets. They were, um, I call them compensatory acceleration training sets. Um, constantly got from Fred Hatfield, who, who was, um, yeah. we talk what, about them all the time. Mentor, okay. yeah. Let's back up just a second, Josh. So uh, you'd, you'd work up to like what one set of five with uh, with a competition grip, and then you one, one to three. So one to three. One reps. to three reps. Okay. Now these would these be pause or touch and go five weeks out? I always did pause. I, okay. I, I by my best, I could do more pause. I, okay. like I, I hit six eighty touch and go and went to a meet and did this. Like no, I was always better at pause, and Beautiful. I always did more in meets. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. So you, we've worked up to the, to the top set one to three reps. Now you're going to do your, your, your back down sets. How much weight would you peel off? No, if you're doing a, a three reps, five weeks out, what are you doing? Like five fifty five for three or something? I mean, yeah. What, 545, so 540 somewhere. Like, so okay. then I would go down to like anywhere from um, depending what the training cycle was like four fifty five or somewhere. Do, okay. do five like, triple. Like drop it, like drop ninety pounds off the yeah. top set, and then let's and then then it's like is the speed reps bang bang bang. How would the back offs go? Do a quick pause on those. So uh, I, I pause on everything. Yeah, I wouldn't always lock them out. I might get like an inch short of a lockout or something just to make them really explosive. Um, but I would, I would always pause the reps. I'm telling you, I could do more. Yeah, pause the way. The only way, if you said, "Hey, like do two twenty-five for max reps," obviously I wouldn't do as many pause. But I'm saying for like lower reps, not even close. So I always got more out of um, doing less reps and more sets. Yeah. So right. that, and then I would do higher reps in the other assistance exercises. So then I'd go from there. Now, are you okay? Now, Josh, let me just back you up. Are you using the same grip width on the back off set? Yeah, so that's another way of giving some people. I know other people like to switch them. I wanted to, to master the motor pattern. I wanted. I agree. To I agree. So, and then I go from there to do something to work the bottom end of my bench press. So that would be either um, a wide grip bench press pause. That would be not too wide, about an inch and a half out wider. Yeah, a little bit. Or dead bench press. So I put the the um, the bar about an inch off my chest in a rack and push it up, eliminate the eccentric. So it's, you know, all starting strength. Cause I always think like that was one difference I had to figure out. How, that how, how many, how many reps on that? So I'd go anywhere from three to, to six, but all singles to, like mm -hmm. breaking it up. I want to introduce the stretch reflex. Mm. Great, great. Right. Okay, no, so go ahead. The thing I had to figure out on my own, so talk about like, you know, like what was kind of like this was very helpful too the information didn't exist and i had to figure this out a lot on, on a lot of this stuff everything at the time was written if you read powerlifting usa except maybe like your stuff marty and a couple other people but it, it was you remember how the magazine was funded by by equipment companies that's who all the big ads were so they weren't 
putting raw information in there, like all the information was, was geared towards no pun intended gear lifting. Yeah, that's right. So I, all that's about locking the weight out, you know, it basically shirt doesn't work for you. We're, we're raw in lifting. I figured out the name of the game's power off the bottom. If I could blast the weight fast enough, it didn't matter if I encountered a sticking point, it'd be so fast to go right past it. So that was my number one priority is, you know, like if you're a sprinter, how can I get that initial start yeah. crazy? And then I'll, you know, I want to get to, I want to accelerate to top speed as quickly as possible and then maintain that top speed. What's, the, what's funny, Josh, is you're using all the Hatfield stuff and you didn't even know Fred yet. Yeah. Did you? Had you met him? Besides no, but I took ISSA courses at 19 years old, so I knew a lot uh, about it. Because that's all that stuff, the compensatory acceleration, the yep. starting, uh, you know, explosive strength versus starting strength and all that. So it sounds very uh, familiar. Josh. Initially, I was like a regular strength coach, not so much for this kind of stuff. So I did study that, the, with Fred's work and then a lot of stuff on, like, you know, sprinting and stuff that the same principles would apply of like, you know, hundred meter dash. Uh, yes, yes. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're going to, you're going to get to that top speed if you're a, a good runner at like 50 to 60 meters. And then you want to maintain that as long yeah. as you can, which a good one could be like, you know, 30 meters or so. Yeah. And that's kind of the same way you approach a bench press in that way is I need to get that start perfect, make sure I accelerate it. And if all that happens, the odds of missing it are pretty low, even if my triceps aren't strong enough. Josh, let me ask you real quick. Talk to us about the bench press negative. Okay, so, um, you know, like what speed I would use, or yeah, yeah, what, yeah. I mean, you obviously you you put some thought into how you're going to lower that damn bar, and I'm assuming you're not just releasing your muscles and letting the bar drop. (laughs) I didn't do that. So um, (laughs) I did. I did. I would say like um, you have. Um, in powerlifting, a lot of, you know, you've had people that do um, very slow, controlled, negative, almost like a spoto press where it looks like they're not even touching their chest. If you got right down there, it's so, so controlled. Or you have people like, you know, Jeremy Hornstra that just kind of lets it down, like almost not quite to like, but he does it perfectly. I was like, right. I think in the middle where I didn't accept, um, I did hurt my elbow later on. Then I had to slow down the eccentric, but I was right in the middle of like, my thing was, I want to get it down at a, a fast enough speed that I'm not wasting energy, but at the same time, yeah. I need to be able to stay tight. Because right. the thing is, if a judge interprets the the rules as as written, like they should, they don't give a press command until the bar is motionless. So if you okay. hit it too hard, even though you're quote-unquote pause, the plates are rattling, and, and then they don't have to give you a press call for a long, long time. So I always want to be controlled enough to get it, to get as short a pause as possible. Mm-hmm. Now, how about your assistance? All right, so so on Monday, finish up your workout on Monday. How would you finish out? I would go to okay, so I would go bench press. Now, all right, now you're working up to one set with the with the big weight in the mid five fifties. You're dropping back to how many how many back off sets with the four fifty five? Five or so of three reps. Ooh, nice. So then we go to um, is a specific rest period between those or just what I would you go feel like? about 120 seconds. So it was oh, long okay. God, fast. Yeah. So, but it's same. Like I did like the 10 sets of 10 in the off season. This is like, I didn't feel like I was like pushing fatigue. It just, right. that's because you know it, I mean? it was easy for you. It was easy for me. So even like, even when I was like really big and, and you know, like, not in the, didn't look in the best cardiovascular shape. I still was way better shaped than like I mean, when I get done with powerlifting meets. I mean, I always did hard off seasons. I always felt like I could do another one right after. It was never never a problem at that weight. That's that deep athletic background, baby. 
Yeah, and, and then, so anyways, I do that. The bottom end movement, so it could be a wide grip, dead bench, whatever. From there, do something to to really hit the triceps hard, like a compound movement. What would you, what would you, what would you prefer? What do you use? Close grips. Um, how, bench. How, how close? I would go pretty wide for a close grip. So again, I'm more like like two or three inches in from from a regular bench press. Not so I could use real heavy weight. Almost or, like an like an overhead front press. The what now? Like a front, like an overhead press front grip for, yeah. your, for your narrow grip. Yeah. And then exactly. So then I would go, um, I would do that or do that with like with um, bands or chains sometimes, or I would do the other one I would use would be um, dips. I like the dips mm. in the five to six range. I did those extremely heavy. And um, no, okay, time out. Uh, and you're weighing 300. Yeah, so I did one time training for strongest man in America. I did um, three fifteen, so um, that's what I remember. It was forty five plates, and at Vanderbilt University, they, they when I lived in Tennessee, they had the best set of dips and one of those V handle ones. Yeah, and it was that where you could. It, it didn't matter. It was like set perfectly where it was very easy to get up because that's the problem with really strong guys with dips. After a while, is how the hell do you get up to actually do the things? Mm -hmm. This was set perfectly where it was like a step. You could literally do it. If you missed it, it was like not very far down. It was just awesome. So I got up to three fifteen on those on dips. Wow. Yeah, I think three, with dips, three three fifteen weighing three hundred. Yes. So, <laughs> I, but I'm honestly, I've had people <clears throat> that have done like I had a guy that I I coached named Al Davis. He um, benched uh, six seventy raw in two thousand eleven. Six seventy. Yep. And he he weighed three oh he weighed um three oh four and he he did dips. We had this um granted it wasn't Nautilus machine, so I don't know how accurate the actual weight was, but it had the two fifty stack yeah plus hundred and eighty pounds of plate and it's just got to the point where it got ridiculous of 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 I just think the, the strength potential there on a dip, if you if someone really pushed it, because when I did those dips, how you gotta deep? remember that. They're after bench pressing. Yeah. They're, they're not done for more than like three or four weeks at a time before I switch exercises. So I'm saying if you did them like year round, like bench pressing. I mean, didn't like Marvin Edler. Yeah, Marvin Edler. Yeah. yeah. Wasn't Pat Casey big on those too? I think Pat Casey was too. Yeah, Pat loved dips. But how deep are you going on those, Josh? Um, I believe parallel, but then then again, we're not like filming the workouts and stuff back then. So I I, I believe about parallel. Okay. What kind of apparatus were you guys using? Like you know, hundred pound plates with a big uh, dip belt, long chain? The really long chains that have like um either a dumbbell, a dumbbell usually, yeah. like a big dumbbell than some pl than plates. But um like yeah. I said at Vanderbilt University where I'd done the heaviest, they had it they had this I don't know who made it, but it was really cool. It was like this old school V dip thing. It was really long too. It went probably five feet or so um on the handles yeah. length. And you can just get yeah. Yeah. And those are nice. The V dip is, is nice because you can, whatever width you want to be, you know, you can go up and down that, that V and get the, get, yeah, get the width just perfect. And it feels a lot more natural, you know, on your elbows and shoulders and stuff. Mm -hmm. do any, your, uh, hands are any, coming in a little bit. Are you doing any, uh, so, so finish out your Monday workout and also tell right. us how, how long the session would take. Then I would go to, um, to some sort of flying movement. It could be like, a, um, Dumbbell fly, it could be a cable fly, it could be a um, dumbbell pause four fly. I would do that. Why? Curious. Um, just to hit the chest more. Okay. 
and then I would go to, um, but I was never like, I wasn't like one of those people I'm doing flies, like 160 pounds. That was yeah. Like very yeah. Nice bodybuilding. Like it was the total opposite of the rest of the first part of the workout. The first part of the movement was all about the movement. This was all about the muscle. So it was like it was almost the like, mind muscle connection on some of these exercises, focused, right? Exactly. Yeah. Light, go, light weights and a big stretch. I would go from there and I would do um, something to isolate the triceps. It could be some sort of extension some right. sort of um push down or something push down and then then some something for some sort of curling movement i do the triceps for like five sets the mm. fly for three mm. and then some sort of curling movement just for two two rep two sets okay. and that'd everything, be it. everything straight sets everything the whole workout straight sets yes i was not trying to do any kind of drop sets like i did when i did more bodybuilding stuff so. well no no super sets just everything bang straight through so you were only josh you were only doing a couple of sets uh at the end for your biceps yeah because i mean you've got massive arms i mean what have your arms been up to i think about i know i've measured them at 21 before is that yeah. all good god how disappointing yeah. only yeah. 21 off of two sets. Well, triceps <laughs> takes up three quarters of the arm. Yeah. Just, just think if, just think yeah. if you had done four sets all those years. Yeah, yeah. You ever think about that? Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. Though, my sets of those were were very were very heavy. I mean, I got to the, you know I I could do um, hammer curls like 150 pounds. So oh was, my god, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'll, I, again, I didn't video it, so I don't, I'm, I'm sure the form wasn't like totally tight at the end, but it wasn't like some absurd like cheat rep yeah, or something. Reverse, reverse clean. Yeah, nothing like that. How long would For, it, how how long would it take? This, um, it never couple, couple hours. Uh, not that long. I'd say like okay. an hour and a half. It was all business. You know what I mean? So, no, like, I know. honestly, the bench pressing part. The warm up and stuff would take the longest and kind of focus on. Then after that, it would fly through. So say, okay, that took forty five minutes. Then you know, whatever I did next, the with the bottom end thing would take like ten minutes. You know, same with did, the hips and then fly. Did, through. did you say? Did you say you're doing uh, inclines? I did those in the off season. So like I said before, <laughs> the the best I always hit my best in meets. But the one day I felt the best probably ever in my life was in the gym. And I hit a I hit a six oh five incline, and it was like that day that was. I wish I would have. Damn. Uh, Damn. I wish you I would have filmed bench that day and not messed around with the inclines. What I wish I would have done, but um, where'd you weigh that day? About yeah, I never really got above this. So like three oh five, three oh six. It was like I think to go any higher, it would have been like a an yeah. insane challenge because it at first it was <laughs> like very hard to get up there and wait. How much food did you have to eat? When, all right, when you were at your biggest, mm. give us a, a quick day's eating. Sure. So I would go to um, I'd go to Waffle House for breakfast. Um, <laughs> nice. Yes. Get the I get the chicken and eggs. Um, comes with like two chicken breasts. I get um, double hash browns um, with two extra eggs, so, and so that's like four eggs. Um, they extra wheat toast, so like four pieces of wheat toast with butter. And then I would, I would um, for lunchtime. I would usually have a shake after that, like mid morning or something. Oh yeah, of course. And then yeah, lunchtime, they had um, you know a lot of. I'd either I'd find some sort of buffet. So I would. Go to like, <laughs> There's always a buffet involved somewhere. Yeah, like a Chinese buffet. Yeah. Um, I mean, <laughs> here, 
we had in Texas, we had when I was about that heavy, we had, um, I, I got a, honestly, I think I got a few of them shut down, not just like trying to take credit for it, but I would put the word out of the gym. I'd be like, hey, there's this Mediterranean. <laughs> I got all you can eat lamb at lunchtime for sale. I'm looking for a, I'm looking for a barbecue buffet. Yeah, they stop, got that out stop, here? Stop, stop. Yeah, they That's had that. Looking for. <laughs> you they, shut that one down though, I heard. They had another I can't one get to called, that one. Right, so 2006, they had a buffet here called Palomino's. All you can eat, like barbecue ribs, like big yeah. beef ribs. All you can eat, like uh, Mexican pollo chicken and um, whatever else. Like, and then they had a roast with it, like a one of those like beef roast things they cut up, and then like salads and you know pasta, anything you wanted. Six ninety nine. There. And then I, Josh Bryant shows up, and that was the end of that. That is the end of that. It's sort of like Branch Horn. <laughs> Before I got here, I heard he'd got like every Waffle House buffet shut down because all the bodybuilders find out they go in there and want like 25 egg whites. <laughs> hey, hey, the picture we have of you. All right. So it's the picture you're in the polo shirt. You got your arms crossed. This is like the biggest dude I've ever seen in my life. Um, what were you weighing? You know what picture I'm talking about, right? Yeah, I saw that. And I, I'd have to. You were massive. You look like you the Hulk without the paint. I can huh? pull. I'm I want to see if that's a real picture because someone sent me that and it looked like somebody had like done something to it to like make <laughs> like it, it was photoshopped. Yeah, yeah, for real. All right, let's get back to the meal. So you lunchtime, you go to the buffet. Yeah. Mid mid afternoon, what are you having? Shake. Okay. Dinner. Um, like a pizza or something. <laughs> Is this every three hours? Yeah, something like that. I mean, uh, yeah. all I, the only thing I kept track of was I'd make sure um, – I don't even know where I came up with this number. I'd make sure I'd get 400 grams of protein a day. That's okay. all I – Oh, that would be no problem with the way you're eating. No problem, yeah. So it was – Anything before bed? A lot of super heavyweights, like, claim that they're, um, you know, eating organic chicken with wild rice, and, and there's, there's just, it's just not true. I mean, you can't get there. You can't get to that count. You can't. There's no way. It's like I'll see somebody, you know, like a 55-inch waist, you know, weighing 360, like talking about their nutrition coach has them eating organic. Whatever. I'm like, get the f out of here. Man. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. All right, okay. what would, now, what would, what would be your second bench workout of the week? Okay, so second bench workout, got this from Ed Cohn, who was very helpful in mentoring me um, through a lot of phone conversations, was I would start off the day with some sort of overhead pressing. Um, so I'd either do behind the necks like he did. I did mm -hmm. I sometimes do front front seated presses, and then what kind actually, of weight? What kind of weight did you work up to in those? Just curious. Okay, so I stopped doing the the behind the neck presses um, pretty early on. So I got up to like three hundred pounds, but I never did those when I was benching over five hundred. So I don't know what yeah. that would have gone up to because I just didn't do it. Like I was, uh, I did a standing overhead press at, at the um, with a, I, mean, I had a little bit of leg driving it, but it was at the strongest man in america with 445 and i think honestly that would have been my probably best lift because i didn't i didn't do those except as like a lot an afterthought like before yeah. i did them seated you know i'm like at a 315 for five but i wasn't progressively overloading those past that i wasn't like all right i'm gonna get 320 yeah. Yeah. So on, so i kind of expected to do it but i got up to that I, I remember the first day i did the overhead press 12 weeks out from the contest I missed 365. Mm. 
Okay, so I'm like, okay, I don't. I knew who had won that contest had done on 400 the year before, or 425. I mean, excuse me, and someone else had done 400. So I'm like, hey, this will be tough to beat. So two weeks out from the contest, I hit 455, and that was pretty easy. And I tried 495, and I had it moving, but it it didn't go up. So I went to that contest, and I was looking at who was there. The guy that had done 425 didn't show. So I knew it wouldn't be, I didn't, I, it was a five event contest and, and there weren't many people in it. So it was like a five hour deal. So I, I didn't want to like blow my load on the right. red press. Right. We did a 445, did it pretty easily. Damn. We stopped there. It was after doing trap bar deadlift right before it. And, or excuse me, I did the trap bar deadlift, the bench press, then the, that. So all in about an hour. So, yeah. but again, like I trained this way all the time and, I was so used to my athletic base. I could have done this contest five times over. So I just had to play it um, smart because then I wasn't earning a ton of money. So I needed the, it was about a $3,000 payday, which was a huge thing to me. So I needed to make sure that nothing got in the way of that. So I had to, I had to like think like a businessman on the attempts, not just what I wanted mm-hmm. to do. Right. After. But you might've had 475 or 485 in you that day. I think I would have had 460, 65. The reason being because I would imagine, even though I didn't feel tired, doing a trap bar deadlift and a bench press prior would have taken a little Well, okay, let, let's say you didn't have to do any of that stuff on that day. What do you think okay. you could have handled? You, no you trap know, bar deadlift, no, no. You just, you came I mean, in and you... 455 was no problem. Right. That was in the gym. Like, same with trap bar deadlift. That contest went to 840. <laughs> I was prepared to go to 900 if I had to. Above that would have been a problem. But I knew I did 850 in the gym. The way it came up, I knew 900 was there if my back's against the wall. So I would say with the, the overhead, yeah, I'd say 475. I, I mean, the 495, it wasn't like in the gym when I missed it. It was like it was right there, and it would have been there at a contest. I'm not going to lie. It moved a little bit, but it wasn't like, yeah, I think 475 would have been a safe bet. Damn, that's a hell of a press. That's right. Well, it's a it's kind of a, a push press, right? A little you got a little knee joint. What it is? I don't give a shit. Yeah, yeah, a little, little bit. No, well, I mean, definitely just, not like a. I mean, definitely not like. Um, yeah, not like an Olympic jerk. You ain't doing that. Or definitely not like a totally. Spirit. I mean, you were allowed to do that. I just didn't. Basically, I'm you know like a pretty pragmatic guy, and I could have learned probably to do some of that stuff. But it was like okay, yeah. all the time I invest to like jerk you know, 50, 100 more pounds, maybe, whatever it's going to be, which I don't know if my arms can get in that position, probably not. But I'm going to waste all this time investing in that when I just push my numbers right. and everything else. So it was like a no-brainer. Exactly. So. Exactly. No one cares. All right. So what else are we doing on the second workout? So we go to there. We go another, like, kind of close grip day, but not not as heavy usually. Okay. And then um, what kind of rep, what kind of What kind of reps on the close grip? Fives? What? fives in that area but not like to the point of like failure so like i'm saying like if i'm like a 440 450 it's like i you know i could have done more if i had to multiple That's top sets or just how many sets one? Yeah. two top sets two okay and then i'd go from there into more tricep work and a couple two try just a little bit of lat work you know some kind of upper back movement like a chest supported row or a um, lat pull down or pull up and then um you're doing, really, you're doing pull-ups at 300? Did, um, I did um, 140, 130 over my body weight at a contest weighing 306. Damn. So that's a, you're an athlete. You started this. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. That, that strongest man in America, that's when 
I kind of, at that point, I had adapted to the body weight. So at first getting up to over 300, it's like, you got no energy. Then it's like, okay, I've been sitting here for a couple of years now. Right. Now I've adapted to it. I've done in the off season before that contest, I did, um, I did a full on sprinting program and I lit my roommate in Nashville was one of the top speed coaches that worked with the, um, the Titans there, the Tennessee Titans. So we did a full on speed development program prior to the training cycle. So I'd been doing all these multiple and, and his speed development was a lot of conditioning too. It wasn't just straight speed and like 10 minute rest between sprints. So right. we did all this. We did, we were like, I mean, get to the point of almost puking running in the stand pit. So I'm like this, you know, I, I could have, that contest, I was like dialed in. I could have done what I needed to do and done it five times over that day. No problem. You were trained. Yeah. Trained to pull up with 130 over my body weight. Yeah. You were one fit three hundred. You were free, dude. You were free. <laughs> you were free. All right. So finish out that day for us. The second. And I would do somebody else for the triceps. Sometimes even two things, and like isolation stuff. And then um, that would be it. So then the other days of the week, I would do. I did train four days a week. So I did. Um, another day was uh, primarily a squat day. So I do mm-hmm. squat. Yeah. And it was weird. interesting there. So uh, observation is this is true with uh, other people too. Sometimes is I've I've got a lot of transference on my bench press from working these bodybuilding movements, um, but I did not get that transference on the squat. So you know I remember at first the guy that taught me how to lift, Steve, was a really good bench presser. He's like a five forty five raw back in the eighties. So he he's great. You know that's a good bench press now. Let alone then. So he. He started off bodybuilding, so all that stuff worked well. But then, like when we'd squat and stuff, we would do leg presses after, and I, I just didn't get the transference. No, right. No. But then, like I, my assistant's work would be like, I go from, I figure, okay, if this works for bench pressing, what's gonna? Ed Cohn's like, why don't you try some close stance, ask the grass pause squats? I'm like, let's do it. So I did yeah, that's one. That's, mm-hmm. yeah, and it took off. You okay. can uh, lower body responded to training as as well as your upper body did or was it pretty even my lower body would respond differently my upper body needed a ton of volume it's like the more i did the the better it got yeah where my lower body did better with lower volume yeah that's well, me too. Well, also you're 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 blasting a lot of the same muscles in the squat and the deadlift you know the sure. the, the glutes the upper thighs the abs the lower back all that's getting blasted twice right right so, so that, that, I did that and I go so squats um similar format of a top set with compensatory acceleration sets um then into some sort of pause squat I would sometimes do um Olympic pause squats like Ed Cone said sometimes regular pause squats then like usually um something like a glute ham raise or something and, and you know that would be about it for that so then that's when I did my best is I wouldn't do a whole lot there Right. Then I would do a um, deadlift day. So just do that deadlift again was weird. I'd, I had to do I, my best deadlifting came with a lot more volume for some reason. I think p- part of it may have been, I wasn't built well to deadlift. I just needed like more volume to ingrain that pattern over and over and over again. Are you sumo or conventional? Uh, I did. Well, I did both. My best deadlifts were conventional. Okay. Well, one thing I did differently though, I think that a lot of people did back then is I did a lot of, um, I did a lot of plyometrics and that was when my, my squats and deadlifts started to catch up to my bench. Cause they were, I was always a good bencher, but my squats and deadlifts weren't really good. Yeah. So I started doing these. Uh, my brother was a, 
track and he, he won the NCAAs and the shot put. And so we were, um, we were training together a lot. And so he was, um, I just got, I thought of plyometrics I worked. I started doing like medicine ball throws them. So I do like squats to warm up for the deadlifts light, just to kind of practice the pattern. You know, if I'm right. squatting you know, 900, I'm, you know, using 405 for singles, not very much weight for me. And then I would do between sets, get really explosive. So I'd do like a backwards overhead med ball, just mm. exploding my hips as hard as I could, or like mm. a jump in that stuff, man. Like it all of a sudden I went from like, like that's what had been missing. I told you about the college football story. I'm running down the field and I feel like I'm going to roll. Yeah. Then all of a sudden I, I'm 300 pounds, but now I feel like my old self when I was super fast and could run relays. Yeah. No, so, I love it. We're, we're, we're big, we're big fans of all that stuff. Yeah. And it's interesting that you thought that the plyos helped your deadlift because you can see in the squat because that amortization phase, you're turning it around faster and faster. And that's, you know, plyos like jumps. But I wonder why would you think so much that it transferred over to deadlift to start? It's a good question. So here's what I think. So I created like a, um, a bastardized eccentric sort of motion in the deadlift. So what I would do is I'd grab the bar kind of roll it in and drop my ass really fast and pull it up as fast as I can huh. by doing that and creating that sort of pseudo eccentric that the plyometric definitely helped there because um, I'd create, I'd been around some people that were, um, you know, not, not very good lifters. And, and they were like one, you know, like kind of like the midlife crisis type of crowd that, you know, for powerlifting that like right. just, therapist told him to find a new hobby instead of golf or something and we're telling you you can't drop deadlift like that like you can't drop your ass like that when you deadlift and roll it in i said why not well so you can get set perfectly i'm thinking like okay these guys must know more than me i'm just like an 18 year old kid so i'll and listen i call that to gary frank the guy that had the world record in deadlift at the time when i I moved to louisiana to train with him wow he looked at me and he said are, are they deadlifting 900? I said, nope. He said, well, listen to me. You do that. He's like, you got short arms. You're not built to deadlift. Conventional stuff's not going to work for you that works for like people that are just arms down their legs. You have short arms. You need to, you're explosive. You need to use that to your advantage. And so I'm like, he's like, don't listen to anybody. Just roll it in, drop your ass and explode. And he's like, he used to say like, you know, I want you to dance like you're 180 pounds when you get to that bar. And I want you, all he would yell is, I'd hear people back home just go, you know, do this, 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 this. And Gary Frank would just scream speed, speed, speed. That's all we thought about. <clears throat> so that single-minded focus of purposeness of that speed was, uh, it just changed everything. And all of a sudden, people that were lifting more than me, when I tried to do it their way, I'm all of a sudden out deadlifting by 200 pounds. I mean, mm-hmm. like, I remember one guy walked up to me at the, the Fit Expo in LA when I was warm with 495. Old school powerlifter just walked up and he said, I've never seen a weight, even 225, move that fast. You could have powered him up. Yeah. And I was like, that, that's when that's when I found my groove, when I just did it my way. Right. How, was your, uh, how was your grip on the bar? We talk about how Ed's got the huge hands and Karwaski's got the smaller hands and he had a problem with his grip. But how, how was your grip? My grip was really good. So I don't – I have, like, really thick hands, so you wouldn't think it would be. But what I did – is I trained to so the only time I ever grip issue was not because of my grip, it's just my biceps got so big, I had trouble supinating my arm. So I'm like holding on with three fingers, even with like 400 pounds, you know. But anyways, what I did differently than a lot of people is, and it's probably what helped 
you know, other people with grip issues is I did a lot of strongman training in the off season. So yeah. like I might do, for instance, like an off season deadlift workout, I'll do six singles at four Oh five, just to ingrain the motor pattern as explosively as possible. Then all of a sudden I'm doing eight sets of 50 feet, 90 second break farmers walk. And, mm -hmm. it, and that's why I have a strong grip. It was just, it wasn't like, you know, some kind of cutesy bullshit. It was heavy farmer's walks. And, and right, then right. I got a couple of things I learned from Ed Cohn of like doing farmer's walks with five pound plates. I put the, 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 the plate between my pinky and my thumb or the, you know, my ring finger, and my thumb and walk with plates like that. In addition to the regular farmer's yeah. walk. We would like, I, we would like some video of that. That could go viral. <laughs> especially when you're weighing, especially when you're weighing 300. I start grunting. Yeah. The farmer's walk with the two and a half pound plates. That'd be great. I, like that. I, need to see, I, I did a video of that one time for real with, with, um, it was with a female athlete. It was actually pretty strong and, and she was having trouble like two and a half pounds. <laughs> so, you know, that second day really, I mean, you're really not doing benching. I mean, a little bit. I mean, you know, not, but, but all your heavy stuff is on day one, right? Yeah. yeah. And since so the second day is almost like, uh, you're concentrating on the press, uh, you're doing some, some narrow grip stuff and you're doing some lat norm work. A lot of right? triceps, a lot of triceps. Yeah, a lot of triceps. Well, yeah, yeah. It was, it was, the second day wasn't like a, it wasn't a mentally stressful day. Like the, right, the, right. the bench day was like, holy, like everything, you know. Well, you're thinking about that all week. Yeah, you think about that all week. It's like basically the, you know, I'm not that's like. That's bench press Armageddon. It, it is. It what really was. So it was like everything was focused on that. So that's I think why um, I didn't train more days too back then. Is I really loved to train, but then I was so focused on my goals that it, it was very stressful to train. It was, it was fun, but it wasn't like mm -hmm. it's like you know oh, I feel better after. It's like no. now you were now you were training you were training bench twice a week, whereas yeah. you were training the squat and the deadlift once a week, right? Right. Well, I trained a deadlift once a week, squat twice a week, but the other day was super light. So like okay. one legit hard day, then one that's uses the warm up. Cause I've always liked to use the squat as a warm up for a deadlift. I like Not only done in a meet. It's just like, I mean, I can get a little extra squatting in the weights light. I can really dial my form. If you're squatting over 900 pounds, you're not going to put on like 880 and, and learn to get the form right. It's going to have a lighter weight. Mm -hmm. No, so, no, but essentially he's he's benching heavy once a week, squatting heavy once a week, deadlifting heavy once a week, and yes. I don't know your your overhead press. You're not really do, you're not really periodizing. That, the strongest right? in America, I didn't because I, I get again I could feel like luckily for that contest, the bench press was part of it, and actually I, didn't, I was just hoping to hit 600 again. I didn't. Right. I didn't I didn't I wasn't thinking I was going to go any, but like so again like I said it was all, it was all those events on two attempts. I hit 600 so easy that contest. I could have probably hit a PR that day, but I wasn't expecting to. But I think what saved that was the dips. But anyways, the point being, until I added the dips and kind of resurrected the overhead press and the the, the bench, is I felt like the, the the adding heavy overhead pressing like we're talking about was no longer going to serve the bench. It'd be like it'd be just a new goal. Okay, you yeah. get overhead yeah. press. Well, not really, yeah. except for the contest. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Now, look, we only got a few minutes left and I kind of want to wrap it up. Where, where are you at today? What's going on with you today, Josh? I mean, what, 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 what is Josh? What are you weighing currently? 
Um, I weighed two fifty one this morning. Well, you are a shadow of your former self, there, brother. <laughs> so, yeah, no, and I, um, yeah, so I train. What's, what's going on? What do you do? What's happening? Where you still training? You got a goal? You competitive? You're not competitive? I'm not competitive right now. Yeah, but you're um, running hills with sleds and stuff. I see that. On yeah, the- yeah, yeah. So I definitely. Um, in better shape now so I can do like athletic stuff and, and all sorts of athletic stuff now that um, is fun to do and kind of keep like a like gas station ready, being ready for anything. It's like if your deadlift say is going to go from 800 to 900 and, and like you, it's hard to move otherwise and this and that, that's not like, that's not going to improve your overall function right now. So I still want to be strong and will be strong, but not, at the detriment of other things because to be to achieve excellence at that level obviously and strength requires a real single-minded focus did you escape powerlifting with no major injuries just be yes i did so the only thing i've had is i have some elbow issues mm-hmm. that i've had to get surgery on my elbow that was from uh, bone spurs and stuff because early on i made the mistake of going too heavy like we're talking about the arms and stuff of like only two sets Early on, I did a lot more than that, mm. and I got super strong in my arm, super quick to the point of being stupid. Where I was like hearing about people like Bill Kazmaier and stuff doing these like skull crusher records, and and I'm thinking like I want to go for those rather than like instead of just like focusing on the muscle, mind muscle connection, focus on beating other people's numbers. Which, like in hindsight, the the whole point of those exercises to assist the bench press, not to get better at a skull crusher. So right. that was right. never like a traumatic, you know, I guess a heat injury. It was something that built up over time that had I not been so focused on, I easily could have seen it coming and, and, and done something about it. But I, I would have rather bench press 600 and got surgery than been healthier. No, oh, you got out on skate, brother. You lost like you're coming through the first World War trench warfare and getting out, you know, without a scratch. You did great. That's super. Very, very few top level guys get out without having some sort of catastrophic injury usually ends their career. So, so, and again, I think it ties back to good solid technique, which it sounds like you had and a strong athletic background. Uh, what, what's your future plans? Um, so what I do now is I was, um, doing, um, a, a, a number of seminars, um, that's been postponed at the moment because of everything going on. Mm-hmm. So what's the, the advantage to that though, however, has been, I've been able to write a lot more. So I've put out, you know, three books during this pandemic mm-hmm. and uh, doing, uh, doing a lot of online coaching too. Yeah. That doesn't get affected by the pandemic though. You know what I mean? Because like, yeah. what I did to people there is just, hey, you know what? You don't have a weight room. Well, this is a good chance to to focus on work capacity and athleticism. So that's what we're going to do right now. It's just yeah. a, a quick shift. Are you exclusively at uh, Metroflex right now? Or are you, you at a couple of different places? I go to another gym called, um, as well, called Destination Dallas. So if I do videos, that's okay. where I do match just because the guy that does the videos is based out of there. So they're, they're two kind of opposite gyms. I mean, they're both great gyms. So Metroflex, if you just like, you just need some fire, you're not going to find a better place. Just walk in and instantly feel the energy and, and kind of get your spirit revving. Yeah. Whereas Destination Dallas is a little different. It's, it's more of like, has good atmosphere too, but they have like every kind of piece of equipment for every kind of goal. So they have like, you know, they have tie bags in there. They have strongman equipment. They have every kind of, 
state-of-the-art bodybuilding machine but then they have like you know kegs and stones and crap like that too they kind of got everything yeah now i haven't been to the uh, metroflex in arlington but i've been to the one in long beach um, california and um yeah, it's hardcore. You go in there, there's graffiti all over the place. It's a, it's like a dungeon in there, right? It's in, and not one piece of equipment matches the one next to it. It's like a, a mishmash of uh, different stuff. They have like 10 different kinds of dumbbells in there, but it's a cool place to go in. And like you said, get fired up. They do a lot of magazine shoots there and, and different things. So I went uh, to the one in Fort Worth. I thought that was great, man. I got the box. Oh, you went to the one in Fort Worth? Yeah, we had the strength coach clinic a couple of years ago. And, I didn't know that. Yeah, so we, me and a couple of my assistants went over there, and I was like, oh, man, they got a boxing ring. It was awesome, man. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so one in Fort Worth, that's like, that's probably 20 to 25 miles from my house. Oh, right. Really? It's called the castle or something, right? Is that what yeah, 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 yeah. That's, yeah. that's yeah. it. You should, you should run to it, Josh. Yeah. <laughs> it's only 25 yeah. miles. Run to it, work out for two hours, run back. <clears throat> All right, I'm not going to run to it. I, I like to do those long, slow runs. I either sprint or I, I do put on a weighted vest and walk. Yeah. All right. Now look, we got, we got to get, we got to get him out of here. It's yeah. Uh, what's he want to promote? Josh, what's your website? Mm -hmm. What do you want to promote your books? Anything? Okay. So uh, my website, uh, joshstrength.com. Um, my books are all on Amazon. So they're exclusively through Amazon. So if you just go into Amazon, type my name. I got an author page and got like 20 books up there. Um, We'd love, we should have Josh back on to talk about some of those books and his philosophy about all these got nutrition books, really good stuff. Yeah. There's a lot more to talk about. So, but um, yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on though a lot. Yeah, no, it's awesome. We uh, we've been wanting to have you on for a little bit here, especially once I saw that picture of you, when you find it, when you find that picture, let me know if that was photoshopped or not. I'm gonna post it. Yeah, yeah. Where, where do you have that picture? I, I want. Marty had it. He sent it to me. Text it to him. Text it to him. I'll, I'll forward it to you. Yeah. Would you? you. I, I I think I know what picture you're talking about, but um, some some strange website apparently likes big guys and they um nice. were making yeah they called them they morph the pictures or something was what they were that was a, probably jim Steele's website no you it's funny you look like a cross between bluto and the incredible hulk in this picture you're massive you look gas station men's room strong that's right <laughs> <laughs> all right guys um so for marty's weekly column Raw with Marty Gallagher. Check out ironcompany.com. You can also pick up his books, Purposeful Primitive and Strong Medicine at Iron Company. Yes. Uh, you can also visit Iron Company if you need any uh, power bars, racks, rubber flooring, anything like that. Bumper plates. They're pretty popular now. Uh, so check us out. And then we've got uh, new Jim Steele articles that pop up once a month. And he's got his own website, Bass Barbell. Dot com. So check out that website for all the craziness he's got uh, going on there. Yeah. And, um, and that's it guys. Thank you very much. That was awesome. Appreciate it, man. Thank you guys. I appreciate it. Thanks, John. Okay. Bye. Bye.